back to the Real Perspective Podcast, the podcast based on a YouTube show based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, I'm Jerry Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. And we're joined by a guest this week. Um, Missy Lonsinger is here. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty well. Good. Um, so, Missy, you're a listener of the show. I am. Which uh, is always appreciated. Is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. What? Yes. I am yes. So I'm so excited. <laughs> so my goal now is to get you to fall in love with podcasting yes. and then start your own. I love it. That's uh, We've birthed one more successful podcast out of this podcast, so uh, hopefully that'll be two. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Missy, uh, what brings you here? Um, so I've known Mike since, like, seventh grade. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so... Seeing the stuff you had posted about, like, the movie you guys worked on together in the podcast, um, always wanting to support local artists as well, like, listen to it, and I loved it. I love your guys' podcast. I think it's oh, great. Not just blowing smoke. Because um, <laughs> I'm already here, so, like, yeah, I've got nothing to lose. But that's so. fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I love film. I have since probably around the time that I first met Mike, which was around seventh grade. Okay. Um, so seeing, and it wasn't even like a seminal classic, like the first time I saw Breakfast Club or like Godfather oh, yeah. or anything, it was like Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, um, sure. Saw it, was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, completely obsessed over it. it, was the first like movie I cried at, it was the first movie I bought a DVD for and watched behind the scenes stuff. So totally got me into, um, like I was fascinated watching like Weta workshops and working with mm-hmm. CGI and all that, um, that kind of stuff. And so made me want to go back and look at behind the scenes footage for other movies I'd love. So that was like kind of birthed my my love for film was watching that okay cool yeah. so yeah that was a big one for a lot of people i think yeah my um, wife included right yeah my wife included <laughs> um that's about the only movie she's that nerdy about but yeah uh that that movie is so, like i feel like it's such a generational touchstone for yeah. so many people yeah, um sure. and i think it birthed a lot of careers or it will have birthed a lot of careers yeah the same way like star wars did for people in the 70s and 80s well and so i think it's like you know it's 2018 right now and i think 2008 i think so i think fellowship of the ring birthed a lot of careers of people who wanted to be involved in the film industry i think 2008 birthed a lot of careers of people who wanted to write about the industry Mm -hmm. because it was a massive year i mean that's when mcu started dark knight was huge Slumdog millionaire was huge like that's when that's the that's the year i remember really wanting to really get serious about this i think inglorious bastards was 2008 maybe 2009 maybe um and then, because it was sort of the one-two punch of 2006 and 2008, because 2006 was Departed and Prestige, and that's when mm-hmm. like, people really started to take notice of, like, oh, who's this Christopher Nolan guy? Yeah. You know, I know he did that Batman movie that did all right and, like, took Batman seriously, and then two years later he comes out with The Dark Knight, and it's like, whoa, this yeah. is, like, a guy. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, what is, is Fellowship your favorite movie? Um... At this point, I don't I don't know if it's my favorite film of all time. It it's super important for me as far as being formative for sure. my love of film. And even like I'm I'm by no means a professional performer, but um, it made me want to act. So I made I ended up majoring in theater um, with an emphasis in performance. I've acted pretty consistently since high school, like all because I watched that because it looked like so much fun to perform on that caliber. And I was like, I've got to do this. Cool. Um, so yeah, so it birthed my amateur career of acting. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it's definitely up there. I don't know if it's like my all-time favorite, but it is certainly amazing. Okay. So what is what do you know? What would be your all-time favorite? It it depends on my mood. Like it depends okay. on my mood, my day, and what walk of life I'm in currently. Which okay. Is a so what is it currently? Uh, Inglorious Bastards is pretty awesome. Really, it's, I huh. love it. It's real good. It's a really <laughs> real good movie. As long as you don't say the Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? That's my second favorite. <laughs> 
Get out. That was absolutely podcast atrocious. over. Short-lived podcast career. <laughs> no, yeah, I I really I really like. I know I feel like it's cliche to say you like Quentin Tarantino movies, yeah. right? But I just I really really love it. I worked at a movie theater when it first came out. Oh, cool! And so getting to watch it like multiple times, I was like, I dig it. This is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only saw it once in theaters, but every time I revisit that movie, I like it more and yeah. more and more. Um, it's really really well made. I think it's the most like it's the perfect like, distillation of Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think he thinks that too, um, yeah. because he sounds so excited about yeah. it. <laughs> well, so it's got that he's got that last line where he says, "I think this really is my masterpiece." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely not Brad Pitt talking. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> um, but it's I don't know he, the moments of tension he pulls out of that movie are crazy. Yeah, um, that opening sequence is one Amazing. of the best, best ever. That and the scene in the bar. When they're playing the game, yes. like the headbands game, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then he in orders the theater the as well. There's like no oh, cut yeah. from it, and just like that single yeah. shot the whole time. Yeah, Love and it. it's mm-hmm. super funny. There's like really funny jokes in yeah. it all throughout. I don't know. That I'm... movie turned me around on Brad Pitt. Really? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I didn't really think much of him before. Granted, mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of his stuff in the 90s and mm-hmm. like sure. what really kind of propelled him, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought he was some pretty boy and that was it. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, this guy's got good comedic chops. Yeah, yeah he he's, does. He's really sure. funny. He's really actually. funny. He's the best part of Burn yeah. After Reading, which is a movie yes. I don't like, yeah. but yeah. he's super funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but since then, I actually think he's pretty good. So no, he I, is really I actually good. think he's one of the best actors we've got now. Yeah, so. I think so too. Well, he's just like started this journey to Robin. Yeah. Redford too, right? Kind of, like, yeah. That's, that's kind of, you know, I feel like if you watch any Brad Pitt performance in the last five years, mm-hmm. you kind of are like, oh, yeah, this is a role that Robert Redford would have done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if this movie was made in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he just looks exactly <laughs> like yeah. him the older he gets. Um, cool. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, uh, we're here to talk about First Man, which is the new film from Damien Chazelle. Stars Ryan Gosling and a slew of other that guys yes. or character actors yeah. is what I like to call them. <laughs> but just guys you see on the screen, you're like, hey, it's that guy. Uh, Claire Foy mm-hmm. as uh, Jan Armstrong. And it's the story of the moon landing, the Apollo 11 mission that uh, kind of changed the world. And it's a much more personal story than um, I think we we're used to. Mm-hmm. from these types of movies because it's usually like about the people who came together to make it and this is right. strictly yeah. about the guy mm-hmm. um but before we get into that i want to talk about two things um one this is a film from damien chazelle this is his third feature length film as a director it is the first one he did not write um and then i want to talk about ryan gosling as a performer um because that dude is real interesting but first we'll talk about Damien Chazelle. So he came on the scene, what was it, 2014? 2015? 2015. 2015. Was it Whiplash? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Whiplash. And it's a heck of an opening salvo, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's quite a movie. Um, you know, it was nominated for Best Picture out the gate. J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. A completely well-earned Oscar oh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, one of the best performances in the decade yeah uh i mean he's outstanding in that movie and um he became something of a new it guy overnight in hollywood and then he followed it up with an original musical called la la land um which is sort of a uh you know bold idea Mm -hmm. um because most movie musicals now are 
adaptations of something. Or High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, or High School Musical. <laughs> Disney um, yeah, or yeah, or uh, even those like Disney live yeah. action remakes or musicals too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it. Is it's yeah. like a stage play that we've adapted. I mean, heck, Spielberg's getting ready to make his first musical ever, and that's a remake of West Side Story. Oh. So the fact that Damien Chazelle was able to sort of find money to make this movie yeah. uh, is kind of incredible. That was. Uh, Critical Darling as well. Um, it won the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll talk about that in a second. There is a, a moment that will go down in Oscar history surrounding that movie. But I want to know, it, it, have you guys seen both those movies and what you think about them? So Missy, we'll start with you. Um, yes, I have seen both. Uh, I really enjoyed Whiplash a lot. Um, as as an actor, obviously my first thought whenever I'm going to a film is looking more critically at the performances. Sure. And J.K. Simmons was so good. Yeah. So, so good. Um I wish it was more eloquent than just saying so good, but it was. Um, La La Land, I also really enjoyed. I, I think the longevity of it isn't really there for me. I loved it when I first saw it in theaters, and I don't know if it's because it was the novelty of an original musical. Because mm-hmm. um, like you are saying, everything was just an adaptation. Watching it since then, especially after telling people, like, it's the best thing ever, and then watching it with them, I was like, it's, it gets better. Like, you know? Um, so it didn't, it wasn't quite as amazing watching it multiple times, but I did really enjoy it. And I think that is so brave to to try to put on an original musical today um, with this audience. I, and I think he did obviously very well. Didn't quite get rewarded with the best picture, but yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. Mike, what about you? Um, Whiplash is one of the best films of the decade. Yeah, it really is. It's fantastic. I don't think La La Land is as good either. I kind of felt indifferent toward it while I was watching it, even the first time. Mm-hmm. I really liked parts of it. But then there's that whole middle section of the movie where there's no new songs and there's just drama and relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's well done, but I don't think it quite comes together like a way a normal musical does. It's kind of a movie you can't argue with, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's one of those things where if you didn't like it, you can't really argue against it. But mm-hmm. you also can't say... Uh, oh, the, the, like a Coen Brothers movie, every time I watch it, I go... The, every time I see a Coen Brothers movie for the first time, I completely dismiss any feelings I have about it. Mm-hmm. Because I go, I didn't like that, but I think it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, La La Land is not one of those movies. La La Land is a movie where if you didn't like it, you just go, I didn't like that. Right. But I can't really tell you why, because there isn't really much wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's very nebulous. Not dislike. Indifference right. toward. Yeah, I, I recognize it's well made. Yeah. Uh, I have some problems just with how it's structured, but I also think that what he was trying to do is what he achieved in it. And maybe it's just less of a thing where I, I didn't like this and more. It's just, it's not what I would want. Yeah. The ambition on display is hard to argue with. Yes. I think, um, I really like the movie. A lot. Right. Um, I actually saw it for my birthday on my birthday last year. That yeah. Was this year. No, this year uh, was when oh, we did the, was last year. This year was when we did the Jaws birthday. Yeah. Um, last year, uh, we went to the Hollywood Bowl and saw it with a live orchestra. Oh my gosh! Oh, and cool. yeah, Justin Hurwitz, the guy who wrote the music, yeah. um, was conducting. Uh, so that was dope. It was <laughs> awesome. Although I will say, um, over the end credits, there was a big fireworks show, mm-hmm. and the song over the end credits is just uh, an acoustic guitar and Emma Stone humming City of Stars so the the, the music and the <laughs> bombast were not like in line whatsoever yeah it was super funny though mm-hmm. um I really 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 like that movie I do think Whiplash is better mm-hmm. by a good margin um but I will probably re-watch La La Land sure. more mm-hmm. because Whiplash is exhausting yes <laughs> yeah. and I have tried to rewatch it since the first time and 
it definitely doesn't go and hit the heights. The first yeah, time that's it. one of the reasons yeah. I uh, don't want to see it again. Yeah, don't. Um, <laughs> but I didn't see it in theaters, and I saw it actually at my parents' house on DVD. We rented it and had dinner with them, and the whole time I was just like, "Holy mm, moly!" Yeah. I felt like I was on a roller coaster, man. Right. It just felt so fresh and different and great. Mm-hmm. And another thing I want to touch on, uh, Damien Chazelle, not just as a director, but as a writer, he had input on 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is one of the best, I think, thrillers of the decade. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, also featuring excellent performances. Mm-hmm. He came in and made it a Cloverfield movie, as far as I know, hmm. right? Interesting. That's my understanding. That. Okay. My understanding is that he came in and did the, the sort of alien bit mm-hmm. that actually does feel tacked on if you think about yeah. it, but works pretty well if you're watching it. Sure. Like, it's... This weird little magic trick where it kind of blurs the the, the fact that they tacked it on. Yeah. But if immediately after you're like, oh, that felt really like kind of out of place, but not really when you're in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's great. What do you think it is that sets him apart there? Like, what do you think it is that, that makes him, you know, someone who people want to watch? I think he's really good at those character studies. Uh, maybe less so with La La Land, but definitely with First Man and then uh, Whiplash. He's very good at getting inside the intensity of this character's head mm-hmm. and figuring out what makes him tick. And even some of the neuroses of these people, especially in Whiplash, is, is getting really deep into like some dark people. <laughs> yeah. Even the main character, I would say he's almost as psychotic as J.K. Simmons' oh, character yeah. is. Um, so I think that he's really good at... Um, getting inside a character's head in a way that movies traditionally aren't. You know, books, you can get into someone's head pretty yeah. well because they can, you know, you read their thoughts or whatever like that. They can be first person, even third person, but selected focus on someone. Mm-hmm. You get better into people's heads. Like, one of the reasons why I think that, um, this is getting really off track, but Ender's Game is a great book and mm-hmm. not a good movie right. is that Ender's Game, you get really inside the main character's head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the movie has a hard time getting into that same kind of psychological pressure that he's under. But somehow Chazelle is very good at doing that. So that actually gives me kind of hope that maybe someday there would be a good movie adaptation of that book, but yeah. not for another 10 years. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that's, to me, the big selling point for him. Um, and I think La La Land got away from his strengths a little bit because it's not quite about that. It is a little bit. It's about their struggles and their demons a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think he's better at getting people and how they tick. Okay. What about you, Missy? Yeah, no, um... I, I feel the same way. It's it's interesting, um, like, coming from a theatrical perspective because as even as I was watching First Man, I was like, it's so cool that he gets to, like, bring our focus here. It's not like on stage where it's like, I can light it a certain way and hope that you're going to look at me and feel what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like we're in his helmet with him. We're hearing him, only him breathing as we're watching, you know, whatever might be going on. Um, so I, I totally agree. He does such a beautiful job of really allowing you to be with that character like you are that character, which, yeah, mm-hmm. Lala Land did kind of get away from it but, but <laughs> Lawland, there are like parts in it where now i think about it as a I guess a counter <laughs> it's like there's the parts where he goes and listens to somebody or they listen to somebody on the piano or yeah. whatever and that the lighting yeah. will go and focus on yeah. that person yeah. and the whole world kind of fades away from that's true so yeah. there's that happens twice in the movie yeah now that i think about it yeah. i think musicals lend themselves to that also because you have this like Artist. i'm so yeah like <laughs> i have i have to sing this right now because right. that's what i'm feeling so there's no like hiding like what are they thinking about right now yeah like, they'll tell you uh, yeah, well, in like music, musicals and action, I think are two of the purest forms of cinema because you can only get away with them on, not on, it, it, not on cinema, but you can only get away with them in the context of them being pieces of art, right? Like yeah. people don't just walk around bursting sure. into song like 
and you're. I mean, I do, but sure, but I'm injured in theater. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's you you cannot separate the fact that you're watching something fake sure. mm-hmm. when you're watching something actiony or something musical, um, and so I think because of that, it kind of helps to sort of sneak things in with people, right? Because that's the that's that's what art kind of is right is like getting someone to open their window a little bit and just being like here's a thought (laughs) and uh i mean right so inception is the ultimate allegory for filmmaking because that's they're doing it literally in the movie but that's what nolan is saying what movies are is it's the idea of like getting in someone's head and just planting something there for them to think about it on the ride home or in their life um and so i think chazelle's really good at that yeah i think he's really good at like you said, the character stuff, and um, I think he has a really good sense, almost to a fault, which we'll talk about in First Man, almost to a fault of restraint and letting stuff off the chain. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my favorite moments in in his three movies is in um, Whiplash, which is right after the Not My Tempo scene. Mm -hmm. Um, No, no, no. Maybe it is after that. I don't remember. It's been a minute since I've seen it. But he get, he finds out that someone else is going to be drumming. And it's the first handheld shot in the entire movie. Because from that moment, from the beginning of the movie until that moment, Miles Teller's character's life has been pretty stable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's been an up-and-coming drummer. He gets, you know, the offer to court, kind of be J.K. Simmons' protege. He's a prestigious music teacher. Like, everything's on the up for him. And this is the first real defeat he suffered in a while. And he goes in, he gets mad, and he goes into J.K. Simmons' office to argue with him about why the other drummer is going to be doing the concert. And when he gets up, he switches from Steadicam to handheld and follows him inside. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a great moment of showing what the character's going through, like you said, but also of he had restrained it up until that point, and then he let's go and he unchains the camera and does a handheld thing and you feel it yeah um, i think the other thing is that dude can end a movie mm-hmm. um, yes like mm-hmm. just i mean it's just all i i would say all three of them are just like face punches yeah. <laughs> um he knows how to put the button on it yeah, sure. yeah yeah really really well and i think ending a movie well makes it stick with people way sure. more mm-hmm. um so i think he's figured that out really nicely which is why they brought him in to do 10 Blame. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he's, he's a fascinating guy, and I hope he gets to make more movies, because he's pretty good at yeah. it. <laughs> Actually, if I could touch on the ending thing, too, just a little bit, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of his movies seem like they're constructed from the ending backwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually agree yeah. with that. Which is maybe the reason why Cloverfield Lane feels tacked on, because it's obviously, sure. they're working from whatever they were working on already, and then it's put on at the end. But I think all this other stuff that he organically made himself, mm-hmm. I think is derived from how he wants to end it. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is generally the better way to go and write something is to know I, what your final point is. No, I agree with that too because, you know, I write news uh, sometimes and um, entertainment news, so it's like low stakes news. But I do write um, that stuff and I'll type an intro and then go, oh, that's an ending. Like yeah. 90% of the time, mm-hmm. that's my process yeah. is I'm like, here's an intro paragraph and then I reread it and go, that's an ending paragraph. How do we get to here from the rest of the piece? So uh, I do that inadvertently. Yeah. Because I always, like, I always consider it an intro until I read it. And then yeah. I'm like, this is an ending. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to end on. Got it. 
Um, so yeah, I actually agree with that a lot. So the other piece of First Man that I think is important to talk to talk about before we get into the movie proper is Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. and that is because this movie is his movie through and through. Yeah. yeah. Um, almost to his detriment. <laughs> yeah, almost annoyingly so. Almost annoyingly so. Um, Ryan Gosling's a weird dude. Uh, he seems like a perfectly normal human being, mm-hmm. but he's a weird performer um, that I don't think has been utilized well mm-hmm. um, because I think he's so classically handsome on his exterior, but he's such a like twitchy dork mm-hmm. inside his own brain that I think like he's only been used well maybe really well twice and i think in this movie is maybe this no three times really well three times and then i think this movie gives him an opportunity to do that other thing that he's famous for which is not talking or (laughs) just like like a lot of eyeball acting um and uh i think this is one of the only times i've actually liked that from Mm -hmm. him especially after seeing the twitchy weirdo uh, performances he's given yeah. those are way more interesting to me uh, but wh- uh, where do you guys land on, on Ryan Gosling's performance Missy we'll start with you um, so I I really liked his performance in this I think you had mentioned something earlier that really hit me while I was watching it which is kind of like the stoicism that he can almost err on the side of which mm-hmm. uh, like just not doing anything uh, and there's one scene in particular where I think he's on the phone after one of the Apollo accidents. And it, at this point, there's been just so much, like, catastrophe in his life. Oh, that's just, my favorite scene in the movie. It was yeah. so good. And the performance, but he didn't do anything. Yeah. He, he literally just sat there on the phone. But as I watched it, I was like I, like, I feel that. Like, I understand when you've just, like, been hit by so many waves that all you really can do is just sit there. And I think, yeah, you do need a good script to utilize that and a good director. Because in any other circumstance, it's like it's an actor on, on screen just sitting there staring at you. Um... But it, it was very powerful. Yeah. Um, but I I thought he did a very good job. He's not necessarily my favorite actor. He's never been, like, the, the pinup on my wall either. Sure. Um, but I, I really liked his performance in this. I thought I, I was very impressed by it. Okay. Do you have a favorite Ryan Gosling performance? <laughs> it's hard because I don't... I, I agree. I don't think he's been utilized super well. I, I thought he did well in La La Land. That was more... Again, it was impressive. I didn't yeah. know he could sing. I didn't know he could do most of that um this is probably my favorite acting performance from him just because they're they're so few and far between that i'm seeing something with ryan gosling where i'm like that was awesome like uh crazy stupid love i thought he did well in um and i didn't know him much apart from like the memes and and mickey mouse club at that point yeah Yeah. i forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that was the thing (laughs) um but yeah no so i mean i guess this would probably have to be my favorite performance of his because i haven't seen that many great ones sure Mm -hmm. yeah Mike, what about you? Uh, nice guys, nice guys. Oh, yeah, no, you're—that's okay, the right, right answer. All right, yes. for sure. Nice guys, yeah. best Gosling performance. Yeah, and but what do you, what do you think about him as a, as a um, performer in no. general? I just want to make sure we got that out there. Yeah, before. no, it's absolutely yeah, I mean, nice guys, all, hands all down. Nice guys, yeah. plug it in there. <laughs> He's outstanding in that movie. Yeah. Please um, go see it because not enough of you have. I have never seen that. It's that, incredible. Fantastic. It's so nice. cool. it's, yeah. Um, okay. In general, I I like him more than you probably. Um, I, I liked him in Drive. Like, I liked the stoicism mm-hmm. of that. Um, 
this one actually was where I got a little bit graded by mm. the, the stoicism almost. Um, I thought he did a good job in Blade Runner. Uh, that's the other oh, one. Yeah. yeah, that's the other one that I think the stoicism was used well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he gets that one moment where he gets to scream, mm-hmm. and it feels really earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love I thought he was fine in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things that he's been in. I, I think he's fine, like, in general. Young Hercules is his best role. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I've always... Uh, enjoyed him and everything he's in. I think he makes interesting choices, so I'll agree. With I respect that. that, and I will generally go and try to seek those out when sure. I find out that he's part of it. So, yeah, uh, I uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say uh, he's not someone like I follow, but like if I find out he's in it, I'll be like, oh, that's an interesting choice. He's got this thing where for a lot of years I would go see his movies because I thought I liked him. I think, like, the media tricked me into thinking I liked him. I definitely think that they tried to go make him, like, the next big it thing. Yeah. I think it's largely failed now. Yeah. He's sort of the Oscar bait version of James McAvoy, right? Kind of. So, like, James McAvoy is, like, a really handsome dude that is an outstanding actor, but he chooses to do, like, weird trash movies, like, (laughs) Split. And, like, he did this, like, Danny Boyle movie called Trance, which is insane. It's He's great in it, and he's fantastic in Mm -hmm. Split. I feel like he should have been nominated for an Oscar for Split, but Split is not a movie that gets nominated for Oscars. (laughs) Um, I think he's wildly talented, Mm -hmm. and uh, just decides to do, like, movies that he would not win him an oscar ever yeah i think ryan gosling's actually really talented the more i see from him mm-hmm. but for there there were a handful of years where i felt really sold on him and i would go i like that guy i want to go see his movie so i would go see it and then go i don't like that guy <laughs> um drive was one of them blue valentine was another um i hated him in that movie i think that might have been the point um but a lot of people in blue valentine were like oh, watch this relationship disintegrate and have your heart break for these people. Mm-hmm. And, but they were both douches. Yeah. And I was like, you deserve each other. <laughs> like, I'm rooting for you to stick together because I don't want anyone else to have to deal with you. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching it from the wrong angle. Because he's like an alcoholic in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know, fed up with it, understandably, but then goes about it the complete wrong way. <laughs> um and then uh, I really like him in this movie called Lars and the Real Girl. Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. That is such a good movie. It's super good. And, and he's the, really good in it. He's super good in it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's describing it to anyone. Oh, Mike, no, have you so ever heard of it? No. Okay. So we get to have this reaction in real time. Yes. Lars and the Real Girl is a movie where Ryan Gosling <laughs> plays a guy named Lars. Uh-huh. And he orders a sex doll off the internet and begins, like, a relationship with it. Uh-huh. It's so much better and sweeter so than good. how you're looking at me right now and that's the conversation i have to have every time i bring that right. movie is, up is it like her but with like a sex doll no. i think it's better than her oh, actually because i didn't like her very much. i didn't okay, I haven't seen that either so um no, no she's it's not sentient than... it's no he thinks uh, she is. yeah she's like a blow like a real doll like a blow yeah. up doll does like, it like talk does he no no no, 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 no no we are all very aware that she's just a doll oh, but okay. he's all right yeah and there's not like it really, I don't know who directed that, but mm-hmm. they handled that tone really oh, well. Oh, so good. Because it doesn't, like, it makes it weird because uh. it's weird, but it doesn't <laughs> make it, it doesn't over-sexualize it. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's buying this doll, like, because he's a weird guy that's mm-hmm. going to, like, you know, have sex with it yeah. in weird ways. He's just kind of, like, an awkward, lonely, probably some sort of mental illness oh, yeah. mm-hmm. going on guy, and that's why he does it. So... You have so then you see the people around him struggling with like he seems really happy. Do we enable him? Yeah. Do we like mm. what's the right decision here? Because 
this is the most he's ever come out of his shell and mm-hmm. the most quote unquote normal he's ever been. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, he's got this really weird situation that's making yeah. him this way. But mm-hmm. it's a sex doll. Yeah. So. And so, and he like takes her to like houses for dinner yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. and like sits, she's like sitting at the table. So like people are just like weirded out by it. Obviously. I've got questions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. Uh, it's a really, no, no, really, no, really yeah, good yeah. movie. Um, good. So that's one of the three I think he's utilized well mm-hmm. in. The other two are Nice Guys, which is the best use of Ryan Gosling I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then La La Land, I think. Um, he's not like quite a twitchy weirdo in that, but he's like, <laughs> he talks more. He's better when he talks. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, yeah. Um, Drive, I wasn't super into. Um, Blade Runner, I thought he was good in, and I thought he was really good in this. Yeah. Um, but as a performer, I think, like I said, I think he's a really interesting guy because he's. He's hard to... I think directors don't really know what to do with him sometimes. Mm. And so I think he ends up having to make up for not poor direction, but just weird direction. Oh, his stoicism is also used great in a movie called Only God Forgives. It's the movie he did after Drive with the same director, Nicholas Winding Raffin. I like it so much more than Drive. It's so much weirder, so much more effed up, (laughs) so much darker. It's... It's a weird movie, but I really, really like that movie a lot. Um, and I think that's a good use of his stoicism because he like he channels like an anger through it. When they mm-hmm. give him like a central emotion he's operating from sure. yeah. to channel through it, and you kind of realize that's the character, yeah. it's better. So in Drive, I didn't really feel like he had an emotion that he was starting from. No. I thought he just was like a robot guy. Mm-hmm. And like I never got the sense that like he had to be that way because of his profession and I never got the sense that it was driven by sadness or anger or loss or maybe even happiness. Yeah. Um, I just never got a sense that it was driven by anything. Blade Runner 2049, I think, mitigated that by having him be a robot so you can kind of understand like yeah, where he's coming sure. from. This one, I think there's, uh, in First Man, I think there's a very clear uh, emotion of grief that he's operating from yeah. um, that you can kind of see through the whole thing and just watching, like you said, Missy, wave after wave mm-hmm. of this tragedy hit this guy and just have him be like have to hunker down and focus on one goal or else he's going to lose it sure. um so i think that's what, why he's utilized well in this in his stoicism mm-hmm. um so all that being said let's talk about first man proper like the movie so like we said it's it's the story of neil armstrong and uh sort of his career uh as a pilot up through manning one of the Gemini missions up through landing on the moon and coming back. And that's kind of it. It's yeah, a very, and nothing else. Yeah. And literally, <laughs> literally nothing. nothing else. Um, <laughs> and we see all of this strictly from his perspective. Mm-hmm. The supporting cast is barely a supporting cast. They yeah. are supporting yeah. cast in name only, except for Claire Foy. Sure. Um, but the, like, you know, when you think of the moon landing, you think Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and if you know your NASA, Mike Collins, mm-hmm. those dudes get almost no screen time yeah. whatsoever. Um, his superiors at NASA get almost no... They're there to just kind of say exposition at him so he can smolder. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's that's it. Yeah. It is firmly... I mean, it lives up to the title, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it firmly places you... In the perspective of Neil Armstrong. Only yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also is, you know, the story of him. So it's the story of him getting the moon, but it's also the story of him dealing with the loss of his daughter. Um, he loses a daughter early in the film to cancer. Um, mm-hmm. As far as why the movie was made, 
Chazelle, I didn't know this until recently, Chazelle signed on for this before he even made Whiplash. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I thought it was sort of a, I got screwed out of my Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we didn't talk about that. We'll talk about that in a second. I got, yeah, it, it felt like an I got screwed out of my Best Picture Oscar, uh, so I'm going to make this definitely Oscar-baiting yeah. movie. Sure. Um, and then he chose this, because I think it's sort of fascinating that there hasn't been a Neil Armstrong movie yeah. ever. yeah. I don't know. How has that not happened? And then it only made $16 million this weekend, which makes no sense to me. What is happening? And that's that's Gosling's... touch on that later. Yeah, that's Gosling's fifth highest opening. Yeah. Which is nuts to me. I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, And so, Jamie Chazelle says he didn't know much about Neil Armstrong before Mm -hmm. he signed on about it. Mm -hmm. Um, He just kind of thought it would be a challenge um which i think is another point to chiselle i like that she yeah. has to be stretched as an artist whether yeah. it works out or not um and he was saying you know i didn't even know he had a daughter that died mm-hmm. and there's precious few uh sources of information about neil armstrong the man yeah. Yeah. out there he signed on to do a biography just before he died and um when the author asked him about his life like his personal life he didn't really open up. He yeah. would kind of divert to... Sure. So he was a notoriously private person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that is you got to make up a lot of stuff if you're going to make a movie about him. Yeah. Yeah. When you're going to make a movie about him that's, like we said, only man, that is <laughs> so firmly rooted in his perspective to the point where large swaths of it are shot first person... Mm-hmm you got to make even more stuff up. Yeah. Um, so one of the first things I want to talk about is how important is historical accuracy to a story? Oh, man. Okay, this is a loaded question to start off with. Uh, Missy, you answer first. What? <laughs> um, I feel like it depends, um, which is a cop-out answer. Like, it, it is important. Um, I think sticking to the essence of it, and I guess it would depend on who you're talking to. It's going to sound bad, but like if he's dead, like uh, and he, yeah. you know, um, and if his, I feel like okay, if his family's okay with it, like if if they get the okay, I feel like there's certain things, especially if they are dead. Um, if they're okay with it, then why not? Depending, mm. like within reason, because I mean, unacceptable. I'm kidding. What? <laughs> no, like, I mean, it is important, but, like, I understand it. Like, the, the thing at the end that I won't say because it'll spoil, like... No, we'll spoilers. spoilers in a minute. Yeah, we'll do spoilers. Oh, okay. We'll but, yeah, we, yeah. Do, we, we do full spoilers on here, but, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save that for a minute. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that didn't happen. Right. Which is the biggest emotional punch of the whole movie. Right. Exactly. It's the crux, almost, of his story. And I feel like if it's, if it's true to the character of the person, if you're doing a biography or, or whatever historical event happened, I'm more okay with it. It's... It's kind of like, I mean, to jump theologically, it's like when people will exegete things from scripture that's within God's character, but may not actually be in scripture, mm-hmm. I'm more okay with it. Sure. we have yeah. that there. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And so I think that ending thing, even though it didn't happen, it was like, okay. And like, I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was poignant. It was, I mean, it, I saw it coming, but it was still nice. Yeah. Um, and even though it didn't happen, I don't think that's like Neil Armstrong's turning in his grave and he's like, well, that never happened. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes and no. Yeah. I think that the requirements of film require you to go and compress events and make composite characters. So in that sense, I think sometimes accuracy is not important. I think the further away you get from an event, the less impact a movie about that event may have on 
the current political discussion or the mm. culture. So, for example, yeah, like, Braveheart takes a lot of a lot of liberties. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, but it's super, But it's all for the nature of making it very theatrical, and the artistic license I think helps the themes and makes mm-hmm. it more poignant. And so I'm kind of okay with it because I don't really feel like how the British treated. The, the Scots like really matters that much. I mean, to us in America anyway. Yeah. Like sure. so much anymore. Versus yeah. Something that's very close in time to now. Mm-hmm. I think it's more important to portray those with accuracy because I think that those influence our decision making today still how we view some of these events. And also, you have to think about the fact that sometimes movies become our history. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think there's a little bit of responsibility mm-hmm. toward being accurate. Um, so let me I don't know I'm kind of conflicted let, on this. so okay let's talk about something like Tombstone that's a yeah. very American story right it's quieter it's stock holiday it's right. a shootout of okay corral uh, that movie's friggin dope yeah it's not accurate right. at all <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's a badass action movie right so even though we're a hundred or so years removed from it that is still part of our history mm-hmm. and it's still pretty recent compared to a lot like Braveheart yeah right? So, but I'm fine with that being not accurate. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. That movie's sick. So, right. <laughs> you know, um, I, but I actually agree with you about recent historical events being mm-hmm. accurate. Uh, a movie that I remember being really upset by was The Help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I thought it was based on a true story. Oh, yeah. And then at the end, it said based on the novel by, I don't remember who wrote it, but it said based on the novel. And I was like, hold on. Yeah. This was a fictional account of yeah. racism in the South in the 60s. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't find a real <laughs> example of that. Yeah. So, are you kidding me? I don't know. I was I was really upset by yeah. finding out that that <laughs> book was a novel. Um, because I feel like that is such a, an important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Whereas Selma is great and uh, is based in truth yeah. and fact and pretty accurate um, as far as I know. This one, I keep going back and forth on. This specific instance, Yeah, I really keep going back and forth on because it's not, it's not their fault mm-hmm. that there's such little information about Armstrong as a man. I like the idea of a framing device mm-hmm. and, and, and the thematic arc and an emotional arc. But I also believe in like truth in advertising, which is that if you're going to go and make a movie about somebody mm-hmm. and you're like basically portraying it as the true story of what happened, I think making up like big events is maybe crossing a line for me. Yeah. Well, like, can I just make one yeah. like really extreme example? Okay, 300 is obviously <laughs> sure. freaking what? ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, and, and, and just super stylized and ridiculous. Yeah. But it has a framing device mm-hmm. in that it's a story being told to about a, bunch, a group of soldiers before they go out to battle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the whole point is, like, it's being told over a voiceover. And so that, to me, doesn't have the kind of responsibility. It's like the movie's already telling you yeah, when you make the nice yeah. Well, yeah, be, because when yeah. you're telling that story to a group of battle, uh, to a group of soldiers having right. a battle, you're going to myth-make the hell out of that. Exactly. Right? And so all the ridiculousness of what happens and the exaggerations work. Mm. Yeah. I mean, some people still took took it too literally. <laughs> sure. But, like, I think the move, that movie kind of disclaims some responsibility for yeah. doing that act. And then this one... You don't get the sense that it's trying to be anything other than historical and accurate Mm -hmm. up until then. So uh, that leads me directly into this next point of discussion. Um, 
movie's not historically accurate, but it's, yeah. I mean, it gets the Gemini stuff right. Like the right. big, like the actual NASA events, it gets mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so that's why I have such a hard time going back and forth on it because the emotional crux of his story and like where his story comes to an end really is made up. Yeah. But it's not untrue that he was the first man mm-hmm. on the moon. It's right. not untrue that he piloted that Gemini mission. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. untrue that that Gemini mission spun out of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not untrue that he almost died testing the lunar module here on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff is really accurate. Uh, once again, almost to a fault. Yeah. Um, so I think there's this weird juxtaposition happening where you have Neil Armstrong in this movie, the sort of myth but also breaking down of the myth of who he is yeah. mm-hmm. all at once but then the way he shoots it is incredibly documentary style yeah. right mm-hmm. so he gets the camera he just like jams the camera right in everyone's face oh, yeah. any right. chance he gets <laughs> yeah. and like um you know he doesn't he doesn't do the paul greengrass thing um where it's just constant shaky cam to look mm-hmm. like a documentary yeah. but he uses more handheld than i think he's ever used in his yes. career and um you you really want the sense you really get the sense that Damien Chazelle wants you to feel like this is real. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the line gets blurred. Yes. So does that documentary style work mm-hmm. in this movie? Can we can we stop beating around the bush and talk about the spoiler? Just so yeah, people, so... people who haven't watched this movie, which is probably a lot of people because it didn't do so well in the box office, yeah. like know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so what happens in the movie is his daughter dies, which is true to life, and he has this bracelet that has her name on it. Karen, I think mm-hmm. yeah. her name. Yeah. And he has this this bracelet that has her name on it. And um, there's a famous press conference where just before they went to the moon, Buzz Aldrin said that his wife's been sneaking jewelry into his his bags to take to the moon and place on the moon. And they asked him, you know, oh, are you going to do that? And he said, yeah, you know, it would be kind of cool to do that. And in that scene, you see Ryan Gosling or Neil Armstrong um remember the bracelet and you see him decide he's going to take the bracelet and do that but then they ask neil if he's going to be taking anything to the moon and he says if i had the option we take more fuel Mm -hmm. which is accurate that's actually that actually happened and then we see a moment later on in the movie where he's on the moon and he takes the bracelet in his hand and he drops it into a crater on the moon Mm -hmm. and it's this really important moment for neil the first man character Neil mm-hmm. um, to get some closure or at least make some sense of this grief he's been and and this sort of sense of accomplishment of you know everything I've been doing since her death wasn't for nothing right it's a really powerful moment I yeah. Agree. yeah uh and once again it's it's one of those things where Chazelle knows how to put a button on yeah perfectly it works man and you see it coming from a mile sure. away mm-hmm. um but there's something see, to be said i didn't i didn't actually so, really uh, yeah i'm gonna say that i mean i kind of sense that there's gonna be something else that happened mm-hmm. but i think he did enough sleight of hand that i kind of forgot about it a little okay. bit by the time sure. he got in there because everything was so intense around sure. the rest yeah. of the moment yeah that it made me kind of forget about the daughter for a little bit but then i was like okay now like now I finally get that this is the emotional crux of the movie mm-hmm. and like, well done. That's how yeah. I felt about Creed, actually. The end of Creed, where there's like a little bit of that gut punch, like mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm not a mistake yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah, that's how I felt. When he says, I'm proud to be a Creed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or when they give him his dad shorts. Mm-hmm. That's the moment in that movie that's just like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's the big thing that didn't actually happen. He right. didn't take that bracelet and dump it on a crater on the moon. 
Um, but other than that, as far as the actual NASA-iness of yeah. it, it's pretty mm-hmm. accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the original question? <laughs> the original question was, does this documentary style work even though he's taking so much creative liberties with Neil the character? Uh, I think it does. I I understand your point about yeah. 300. I think that was a good analogy. Um, Weirdly. I- yeah, no, it, it, but it made sense. It's like, yeah, 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 you're yeah, done for a little bit. And yeah, it, I guess there is sort of more of an assumption of, of we're playing this uh, very true with that more documentary style, but I'm still like okay with it. And I don't know if it was just because that was such like, I, I really loved that mm-hmm. moment at the end. I thought it was really sweet when he first had it. And like my, my parents lost one of my sisters when she was a kid. So like the whole mm-hmm. time I'm like, yes, like this is like, I, I get this. I feel this. Um, so I don't know if I'm just really, really biased because I like that moment. And if it was another film and another kind of like mm-hmm. artistic liberty, I'd be like, no, like that was awful. Like get <laughs> yeah. rid of that. Um, I, I thought it worked. I, I did. Like I like the documentary. No, I, I agree with you. I think a movie that uh, you could compare this to strangely uh, is Arrival. Because Arrival has, yeah. like, a kid die of cancer and have that be the motivating factor, sort of. Right. Because there's, like, it does that, like, infinite loop thing mm-hmm. with it, right? Um, but it's another, you know, spacey movie. Obviously, this one's hard sci-fi. Yeah. And the, the first well, man is sci- science fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, right? And Arrival is hard sci-fi. And um, that's a movie that, you know, the, the character's motivation is essentially the loss of her child uh, to cancer. Yeah. And... She's provided closure by the end of the film from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie does this sort of magic tricky thing where it makes you think that the movie, the narrative of the aliens coming is starting after she's lost her child. Yeah. But it's actually before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like Arrival that much. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few. <laughs> um, and one of the things that doesn't work for me in Arrival is the kid, the 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 loss of the child thing yeah. mm-hmm. it plays really sappy to me mm-hmm. it plays really manipulative it plays it plays lazy mm-hmm. right um because uh you, the running joke on this is that i'm pro killing kids in movies i remember hearing that <laughs> yeah but like i i get that like i feel thank that. you <laughs> psychopaths yes. thank you um so but so <laughs> the caveat to my murder a child that make me know you're not screwing around in a movie is Watching kids die of cancer is so lazy. Mm-hmm. It's and like I was able to forgive it in First Man before you call me an insane person because it actually happened, right? Um, she could have died like, of something cooler, but no. <laughs> sure, um, <laughs> something cooler. Um, but you know, in Arrival, that kid was fake, yeah. so like you could have killed it better. Sure, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I, I like I don't know the two genres of movie I don't understand at all are like here watch a dog die or here watch a kid die of cancer <laughs> yeah. and they, they're super popular genres of movies. Yeah. Every time a movie with a dog comes over comes out, you go that dog's gonna die, and then it makes so much money, and then makes even more money on home video, and you're like, what the hell? Anyway, so this movie does not it's not lazy because it's true to life, sure. uh, and so I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, I, the other trip on my shoulder is that it's my best friend died of cancer uh, yeah. when I was 20. 
So that, like, I'm just like, I've been there, you know, I've I've been there and it wasn't this sexy, you guys. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This was not as cool as you're making it seem. Mm -hmm. That crap sucked and I don't want to go through it again. And you're making it look a lot easier than it is. Yeah. Um, So that's a, that's a personal hang up I Mm -hmm. have uh, on it. Um, But I think they, they navigated this water well. Uh, One thing I want to touch on is Claire Foy. Mm -hmm. I thought she did a really, good job in this movie mm-hmm. based on how that character would have gone in any other movie of this nature i think she had i think she still had sort of a thankless job but i think she did it well yeah um i thought she was i don't know i thought she disappeared in that character for sure oh yeah um i really bought her performance and i liked their marriage a lot i thought um in, not that it was a good marriage necessarily no. but i liked by the way they got divorced later they did <laughs> yeah they did oh no yeah, yeah they, they yeah they got divorced a f- uh, it was decades later it yeah. was like a little while but not surprising though yeah, yeah. no it looked yeah. like it was headed there and i liked the way the movie handled the like the ebb and flow of a loveless marriage mm-hmm. because i think there are so many like uh blue valentine or like revolutionary road where it's just like it's all this all the time right just yeah. bumping up against each other and that's not how a marriage breaks down. Typically, yeah. it's much slower than that. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see the marriage disintegrate, but you see, like, they try to make it work, but sure. then Neil's really focused and he's really inward, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. really navel-gazy. Um, and it's almost this deconstruction of this, like, ideal 60s man mm-hmm. that we have, right? Like, you know, it, 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 it. one of the things I really liked in the movie was... It kind of was like, it kind of set up the, uh, you know, this is a movie that takes place in a time when men were men. And then it kind of flips it and says, okay, but here was the cost of that. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was an interesting angle to take on the character. Yeah. Well, and the counterpart to this movie is the right stuff. Right. And the right stuff is much more like gung-ho, um, this is what men were meant, like what men were like, kind of super thing, macho. You know? And it still kind of unstrips some of the the varnish around it and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to go too far in saying this, but it, it's very much like this is how this is what it took to be like a, a space pilot or a man or something like that. And then this goes and shows the opposite side, and I agree with you in the sense that. I don't know about the rest of you, but, you know, I had two grandparents who um, fought in World War II, and, well, yeah, and um, one of them, the one that I really got to know, because the other one passed away before I was born, he was very stoic, Mm -hmm. Um, and he he didn't show much emotion ever, like, even to his old age, Um, and this kind of shows both sides of that coin, and, uh, you know, that, that stoicism does carry a price on on the family and um but also there's a great inner strength to them that just just because mm-hmm. they don't speak it doesn't mean that they don't have it and they, they're not feeling something either yeah. so i think it's, these kind of movies both of them are good counterparts and almost counterpoints to each other and i liked it from that standpoint mm. i think that um the movie actually does a nice job of showing that like yes Neil Armstrong maybe retreated a little too much into his own head, Mm -hmm. but as a result, it brought him the metal to deal with all of this, right? right? Like, it's incredibly stressful. I think that's one of the things the movie gets across the best, is how insane 
this whole thing was. It yeah, was. Honestly. Yeah. It really put it into, into perspective. I don't know about you guys. I'm not a huge NASA nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't I, know. I am. You are? Yeah, you, I was in love with NASA. Like, nice. being an astronaut was, I mean, for a lot of people, obviously, they wanted to be right, astronauts. Sure. But that was, like, my jam for nice. good t- first 10 years of my life. Okay. So. Yeah. So, like, even, like, Apollo 13 is a mm-hmm. movie that I never was super into as a kid. I'd like mm-hmm. to revisit it as an adult because I'm sure I'd like it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, NASA movies aren't movies that really get me excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was excited about this because it's Damien Chazelle and sure. I really liked his other two movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that once I learned that this movie had, ne- this story had never been told, this specific story had never been told, I was like, yeah, we need that. Like, that, yeah. How was that not made two years after it happened? You know? Right. Um, but I think that this movie does a good job of giving the NASA nerds like all the technical jargon and all that and then giving the sort of arty kids yeah. um, their, their cake and having it too. It's a really good... The, the, the advantage of being so deep in Neil Armstrong is you really get a good sense of who this man was. Mm-hmm. And even though he is sort of, um, even though he is definitely a composite character that they took a lot of license with, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of who he was. Like, I feel like it, it's not untrue to the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it, it, it's... No, it, yeah. And it just shows the, the incredible amounts of stress he was under. Mm-hmm. Sure. And... How he just kind of had to deal with it and roll with it, yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, w- one of the first things coming out is I was like, "Whoa, that really put my anxiety in check because mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with half the stuff that guy yeah. does on a normal basis." Um, so, uh, what? So, what were some of your favorite bits of the movie? Um, I mean, definitely that scene when he's on the phone and and like going back to i mean like we were saying with chris and and having like we've all i'm sure known people who have been affected by cancer or died from cancer it can feel like that and mm-hmm. and the beginning yeah it was a little romantic and, and when she died i know it's not that great when you're losing a child but that like like i said it really struck a chord with me that just like all you can do is just kind of sit there um because what else can you do so i mm-hmm. i like that but i loved his use of silence um, yes. which was also frustrating because I don't know if the theater I was in had particularly thin walls, but I felt like I could hear like goosebumps too or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, same, my hair yeah, out. I'd, I'd heard other movies. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, didn't, I saw it in IMAX. Yeah. So I saw it in the girl, so I had another problem. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, okay. but, like, oh yeah. The, yeah. I don't yeah. mean to interrupt, but the <laughs> no. walls, the walls that Studio Movie Girl are Yeah, no, that's what I Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but when, when it was silent, um, I always appreciate that, especially because, like, I know space is, like, the absence of everything. It's, like, a super void of, of nothingness. Mm. Uh, but there were other moments where it was just silent, and I don't think that's taken advantage of enough. Um, mm. There's not enough stillness and silence in yeah. a lot of films today, and I love, I think, like, going back to talking about how he can get into a character's head. There's so much of our lives that is just a lot of, like, we're trapped in here, and it's very silent, and there's not a ton going on, and to, to just have those moments of, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, mm. was beautiful and very powerful when I wasn't hearing <laughs> Goosebumps too. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I um so I really like the interview scene when he was interviewing to be a like the yes. part of the Gemini project. Mm-hmm. Um when they asked him about his daughter and whether or not it would affect him and he said I think it would be ridiculous yeah. to assume he wouldn't and that's kind of what got him the job. Yeah. I really liked I like the whole I liked the way that scene was written. I thought the mm-hmm. dialogue was really snappy. It sounded really cool coming out of the actors' mouths. I really liked that scene. Um I loved the Apollo 11 takeoff. I mm-hmm. thought it was such a great moment mm-hmm. um, because he used so many elements that had the movie had kind of been building up to, yeah, right? And restraining itself yeah. from he, doing. Yeah. 
so one of the notes I have is just restraint, restraint, restraint in all <laughs> yeah. caps. And, um, you know, there's, there's shots of the moon during the daytime mm-hmm. um, on Earth, which were some of my favorite shots. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, wow. Like, mm-hmm. okay, way to be. So he, it, <laughs> that kind of kept popping up throughout the movie. And as it got closer to the Apollo 11 launch, he kept cutting back to the moon and cutting back to the moon as it loomed larger in Armstrong's life. Mm-hmm. He kept making that element bigger and bigger. He kept putting more of an emphasis on it as it went. Mm-hmm. Then the other element was the fire, which we had seen fire one other time in the movie, which is during the Apollo 1 yeah. mm-hmm. um, plugs out test, which uh, is when three of his, his friends in the space program, including his best friend, it seemed, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Gus. Uh, was it Gus? Yeah. Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Um, when he, when they burned up in the Apollo 1, which yeah. that scene also is... Oof. It's a killer. Like, it's a pun not intended, I guess. But <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's, that scene got me. That yeah. was the one where I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the use of fire previously in the film was tragic, mm-hmm. and this time it was triumphant. And I liked that. Yeah. I liked the flip-flop of that. I liked that he blew out that scene outside of Neil's helmet, because every other time we've yes. seen Neil in... Yeah. Every other time we've seen Neil in space or mm-hmm. um, piloting an aircraft, we've been very in his head. Yeah. And this is the first and only time we really got outside of him. Yeah. And I felt like it worked really well to make that sequence really pop and stand out in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it really should have because yes. it's the launch that changed the world. Yeah. And uh, I just really liked that sequence a lot. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? Um the opening of the movie is fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, the X-15 <laughs> flight that he's taking is awesome. Um, I think the movie really soars when it's soaring and in, <laughs> yeah. and in space or in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the part that interested me the most. Sure. Um, I agree with you to a certain level. I like the restraint, but I, um, and this is probably going to, if we're getting into flaws, I guess I'll withhold <laughs> my complaints, but I think there's a little too much restraint. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, um, to the point of almost obnoxiousness but when the movie finally opened up like during the launch of apollo 11 then i feel like oh this is great great shots yeah uh the, the moon obviously incredible looking but also i like how they kind of portrayed it as a little lame too like there's mm-hmm. almost like a sense of all right this is it like like this lifelessness to it mm-hmm. it's yeah. both like inspiring and also uh, cold, cold, yeah, and yeah. and distant, which I yeah. liked. I also like how um, when he returns back to Earth and he's in the quarantine room, he has this first person shot, and it's him like looking around the room, and it kind of feels like he's surveying it just like he would the moon. Yeah, like yeah. it was. It was like he's still an mm-hmm. astronaut, like he's still kind of a foreigner even on Earth, which is yeah. interesting. Well, and it also goes back to that interview scene, right? When yeah. they ask about because he had been in the atmosphere before, or above mm-hmm. the atmosphere before, mm-hmm. not quite in orbit. And um, they ask him why he wants to be an astronaut. Yeah. And he says that, you know, he's seen above the atmosphere and he thinks that it really does a lot to change your perspective. And mm-hmm. he's trying to gain some perspective on Karen's death. Yeah. And so that's what his driving force for doing this is. Mm-hmm. And I really like how they they pervade that shot of like, he's back on Earth and now he's looking at everything from a different perspective. Because yeah. lame or not, like, he's the first man right. on the moon like yeah. you come back and you're changed by mm-hmm. that for sure yeah so those are the things i really liked about it yeah uh-huh. um i also really liked i think damien chazelle is like the king of montages he's so yeah. good at mm-hmm. them um i liked the only moment we kind of 
zoomed out and saw how the nation was reacting and how the nation yeah. had kind of turned on the space program mm-hmm. and he undercuts it by that you know whitey's on the moon poem mm-hmm. i thought that was perfect yeah. in that sequence i really liked it i, I did not get out <laughs> i'm thinking over here I, I know i'm sorry <laughs> sorry um because well because to me the movie had the, thus far been all in his head and then all of a sudden it beca- like it opens up midway through for no reason and it closes back down again i thought that was like a misstep where mm-hmm. it, it felt like in betrayal for whatever they were going for for the rest of the movie so i so, liked it because it was the lead up to the apollo 11 mm-hmm. launch. i think he he did that i i liked the timing of it I don't know. It's just like, oh, now all of a sudden you want to go and provide context. Like, mm-hmm. what? where was this for the rest of the movie then? I feel like you either kind of go all in or you don't, like, with that stuff. But, I mean, I guess reasonable minds can differ on that. There's really yeah, not any point it, in belaboring it. Yeah, It, it bothered just, me, because if I look at just, like, paying lip service to that, sure. like, here's a scene where people talk about how we should spend money on, like, welfare, or, you know, or how, like, racial injustice still exists. Okay, we've addressed that now. And then they go and move on. Like, it just kind of felt... Well, the, so the the launch happens, right, at a really yeah. crazy time yeah. politically. Right. Almost like, probably the craziest time politically we've had in a long time besides current times. And even now, I sure. would say the 60s were mm-hmm. more intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like that we got at least a taste of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we had... Right, so there was, there was like, Vietnam was happening, and we were spending a bunch of money on the space race because yeah. communism, mm-hmm. and, you know, the civil rights movement was a thing. I just felt like acknowledging it even a little bit was enough, because yeah. I felt like, I felt like if the movie took place in a total vacuum, mm-hmm. it wouldn't quite have the same impact when they got to the moon, mm-hmm. versus when they get back, you see the, you know them speak them watching tv and playing the kennedy speech that really um kicked off all of this and and is what got people it kind of reminded people why they were excited what seven years earlier um i I liked it at the end because i feel like that's like how you end the stories you kind of like open it up all of a sudden like Mm -hmm. oh wow this is how it changed the world yeah but i don't like this structure of you are super intense and personal open it up midway through for like five minutes then you go and close it back down again until the end and then you open it up i just feel like that's structurally a mistake and th- i'm going to reveal my preference or my bias to this which is you know that middle part opened it up in a way where it gave me a glimpse of another movie like, of a different movie that this could have been mm-hmm. and i like that movie more Ooh, than this yeah. and it was like oh well i kind of wish we had had like a supporting cast that did something and mm-hmm. like context and we had news reports or snippets like throughout the film there was like people talking about the space race and the Russians yeah. more and stuff like that and so maybe it's not necessarily a problem it's more of a once again expectations versus reality thing which is what La La Land was for mm-hmm. me as well yeah so that's kind of where I'm coming from on it. so did you like the way he opened up the Apollo 11 launch yeah I did I I feel like I well because you needed to have some sort of grandeur at that point in the movie i think it had built up enough where it could open it up the last 20 30 minutes of the movie you begin to open it up and i think that structurally mm-hmm. makes sense then to go and start mm-hmm. opening up the movie but to go and like give you a glimpse of like a different movie and then pull it back i i felt like that was a tease almost to mm-hmm. me um but i might be weird about it 
Sorry, guys. Go ahead, Missy. I'm no. Kind of it. No, no, you're good. Um, like as you say it now, like I understand that. It at watching it, it didn't feel disjointed. I didn't feel taken out and put back in. I I appreciated the context because so much of it was about Neil Armstrong. Like, oh yeah, by the way, NASA is also a thing. Cool, because it was all Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I liked the kind of context that yeah, this was such a tumultuous time. There was so much going on, and it kind of like so. There's like a debate, right? There, or not a debate. There's like a anger brewing that they didn't have the flag plant, right? Oh yeah, that, yeah. that was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you clearly see it in the background, yeah. and that's how like NASA and and the '60s and everything kind of felt throughout the movie, it, including like that scene with the the whitey on the moon. Like it was there, but it wasn't dominant. It was like a background thing. Like by the way, this was also a huge thing for America. Like this was great for Neil Armstrong mm-hmm. that he had this moment, and and we get to see him as a person and this new perspective um, carrying that theme on him because we didn't really know him. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it was kind of in the background. It was like a glimpse of, of what was happening and then taking away. I didn't mind it because yeah. that's kind of how the rest of the movie felt to me. That mm-hmm. it was a Neil Armstrong movie that happened to take place with a really big thing for America. Cause I yeah. feel like, yes, that's the most the movie opened up yeah. to show mm-hmm. what happened nationally, but you see, you know, you see when they, the Russians do the first spacewalk right. Right? Yeah. in the movie. So there's like little, but little, it's still chains of his perspective because he's watching the news or something. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. That. And then yeah. this, this, it's as far just as I know, there's no, there's no sense of him watching and no, being aware there isn't. of that it's, stuff. It's just, we want you to command Apollo 11, uh, and then yeah. montage. Because there's a, a national montage followed by Apollo 11 montage. But there's different types of like third-person narrative, right? There's mm. third-person like you know, omniscient, which is that it, the perspective is just, you know, disembodied God looking over. And yeah. then there's a third-person that's like confined yeah. to yeah. like limited to that particular character. And then this is where I felt like narratively it went from being limited to omniscient, omniscient sure. again. And it just felt like a weird tonal change almost mm-hmm. or structural change to me, but I, it's not, I'm not going to get too hung up on it. So, uh, now that we've talked about that, yeah. does the condensed timeline work in the movie? Or do you think it should have been something that was more, uh, comprehensive? Yeah. Comprehensive. Um, I mean, my preference would be that it's more comprehensive. I, I think this movie does what it's meant to do very well, which is to be anchored to one viewpoint yeah. for the most part. Um, and so that's the kind of movie that he made, and I think he made it well. I would prefer to see kind of it blown out a little bit more than sure. it was. And it comes down to more, to me, of an issue of pacing i don't think the two and a half hour runtime for an anchor to one guy point of view especially a stoic guy like this yeah i don't think that the the length of this movie was well suited to that character study Mm -hmm. i think that you could have done this anchor movie uh in a lot shorter time span there's times where i kind of felt like okay (laughs) let's get going a little bit like it's like a good 20 minutes where i could like lop some stuff off here and um versus a biographical film i think would warrant this kind of runtime that that was blown out a little bit more in scope um so to me it's more of the length of time that they chose to make this movie run was suited more toward a particular type of style that he did not choose that being said the story that he told was fine and so you know and that's what he did and he's he can take it um so it's more of a preference thing than than anything um no i I agree. (laughs) 
Um, I it did feel a little long. I think yeah. if there's ever if I'm ever sitting in a movie and I'm aware that I'm sitting in a movie, I feel like it's gone a little like too long because mm-hmm. that will happen periodically. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I've, I've been here a while. Um, and it is hard when he's stoic because there's not it's not like there's a lot of different levels of stoicism. Like there mm-hmm. are, I'm sure, in, in in his mind and Ryan Gosling's mind, I'm sure there were. But it can be hard to watch, especially if you're a layperson watching the film and you're not there to watch the nuances of oh, he like flicked his eyebrow at this time when he's thinking about his daughter and not yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a little long. Um, I appreciated the full context, so I didn't mind the timeline in that sense. I knew nothing about him, and mm. I knew very little about NASA. Um, so I I liked the timeline. It, yeah, it did feel a little long. I don't know what exactly I would have cut, because it's hard. You don't want to cut some stoic, like, deep moment down to, like, just a flash, right. and then he's gone. Right, yeah, you can't uh, edit it like Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best movie ever. Right. <laughs> Uh, you could. Yeah. I want to see that version of person. <laughs> Just have a bunch of like pin drops throughout the time. <laughs> Needle drops. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Where was the CCR in this movie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh right, they weren't in Vietnam. Um. No, I I actually liked um the condensed timeline, and I liked the length of the movie for mm-hmm. the most part. It, d- it does feel long. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. I liked spending time with. Um, what Chazelle was doing. Sure. I liked no learning about the stuff. Oh, yeah. The bits of the jargon, uh, like just because I'm not a freaking engineer, you yeah. know. I while I recognize they're accurate, I was like, well, it's to me, not English, you know. They're, they're portrayed in a really offhand way, like like it's not important, like not like, yeah, not like the audience yeah, yeah, yeah. is supposed to be paying attention. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, it's sort of like the Dunkirk dialogue thing, yeah. right, where it's intentionally obscured. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of giving the NASA nerds their cake and eating it too, sure. you know? And, and, um, I think the movie's advertised really weird, um, just because... Ooh, uh, I think it gets into the box office. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I liked the condensed timeline because I liked kind of pulling out the moments that really had a massive effect on Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because if we don't, if we are going to anchor it to him, we only need to see the moments that are important to him. We don't yeah. need to see him just like, doing engineering yeah yeah yeah. forever right you know because there's there's huge huge swaths of time in real life where he's not up there he's not Mm -hmm. working on too much related to it Mm -hmm. um so i liked the time we spent in those moments i liked that we were able to spend extended periods of times in moments that are really important to him Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite scenes of the movie is the gemini scene when they're spinning out of control. It's yeah. like a 25 minute sequence. Yeah. It feels like. Um, and it's. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, the shot of them spinning. And the earth coming into focus. Mm-hmm. I thought was masterful. Mm-hmm. Just because. It gave you some sort of context. For how fast they were spinning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was. An incredible touch. I mean it's sure. also probably what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I loved that you were able to see. Oh. I can time how long it is in intervals between yeah. seeing the earth and seeing space and seeing the earth and seeing space. Yeah. And I can understand that, Oh, they're going really fast. Yeah. That's a problem. And I think the movie did do a good job of, even though it had all the jargon, um, of showing you like, this is good. This is bad. Yeah. You know, you can tell visually this is them screaming jargon at each other because they're going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is them screaming jargon at each other because they're doing something intense that will be, you know, historic. Right. Um, so I I actually liked that 
And I like that this movie is kind of the anchored movie because mm-hmm. I think Damien Chazelle's one, the guy to make it. Yeah. Maybe the only guy to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, I think that still opens us up to tell the story of the team behind Apollo 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I still think there's another movie we can squeeze out in mm-hmm. that yeah. story. And I kind of like that. Um, that he didn't make the definitive version. That there can be an... I like movies that are companion pieces. Yeah. Um, and so I like that there can be another movie that's this story from a really broad stroke. Right. Sure. That's the reason why like, it's a little unfair for me to go and say that this movie didn't do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, that's not what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what it meant was meant to do, it did. Yeah. And yeah. it did well. And so, you know, my desire to see a, a comprehensive movie, a definitive movie, is different than what this movie did. You can't really yeah. hold it against it for that. Sure. That being said, the compressed timeline thing, if you didn't have like the title cards telling you what the dates were, yeah. I don't think you would know. Oh, no. Like no, they, they don't they don't do a very good job, I think, actually demonstrating a progression of time in terms of how people look sure. or how the times have changed yeah, or anything. I think that that was maybe a little bit of a misstep, but then again, it's so anchored to his perspective. I guess in his mind, maybe like the world isn't changing that much. He's just focused on this one thing. Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. If it was a more comprehensive movie, I think that you'd have to go and show the clothing changing and the music changing and the times changing. You see more. his hair change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought true. that was a good uh, yeah. indicator of the passage of time mm-hmm. where you see him have more of like a military cut. And yeah. then like as it gets closer to the mission, he's a little more haphazard because he's like in it. Yeah. Um, what'd you guys think about the score? I like I noticed the score like at which is a stupid thing to say sorry in that it sounded to me too similar to Walla Lands mm. like like there was one there's one moment in particular it was like one of the waltzes and it was it reminded me of Rogue One where they take like John Williams themes but it's a separate Star Wars movie so we'll take out two notes and now it's not the same Star mm. Wars theme and that's like it sounded that similar to me in some cases. So I, I really liked it, except for when I didn't, which were those moments okay. that the waltz sounded so similar to La La Land, and I was like, I know, ah. it's when they're landing on the moon, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And I didn't, I didn't like that, because I was like, oh, this is not the same film, it's not the same vibe, and it was... Yeah. So apart from that, I really enjoyed it, like I said, except for those moments when I was like, ugh, it was like record scratch halt, what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I'm a bit mixed on it. I like... I liked the themes of them, mm-hmm. like, taken off, for example. Mm-hmm. I thought that was powerful. And when they, like, you finally get that wide expanse shot of the moon, I liked it. Although I agree with you, it did remind me too much of La La Land, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely the same composer. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how I feel about, like, that one, like, female choir singer voice that they had over parts of it yeah is that part of your movie too? Uh, no i think so okay all right, sure. all right. we're yeah, on yeah. the same page okay um and so yeah that part felt like a little out of place with yeah. the rest of the, the soundtrack and so i don't know how i feel about it i liked a lot of it but then mm. i didn't like parts of it yeah i really really liked it i thought it re- did a really good job Making the emotion swell when it needed to. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really effective score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when you break it down into individual tracks or moments, yeah, it falls apart a little bit. Yeah. But I think as a whole... It builds up piece, very well. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, because I don't notice music in movies very often. It's yes. not one of my things. Yeah. Uh, this one, I was like, whoa, this is... The music is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, yeah. which is the case in Damien Chazelle movies. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But two of them are about music. Right. So... Um, to, to have one that it's not, I think, um, 
I think it still did a really effective and great job of like, you know, it made the, 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 the pride swell when it needed to, and it conveyed the intensity when it needed to, mm-hmm. and it got the, the majesty across when it needed to. So I thought it was a very effective score mm-hmm. as a whole score, as a whole yeah. piece, right? As, as, as sort of a support section to the film itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Box office. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it had done that poorly. Mm-hmm. It's... it's like the third movie, I think. Uh, yeah, Venom wow. was number one again Venom, for some reason. Star, Star is Born. Okay. Star is Born beat it again? Yeah. That makes sense. And then this. See, but I also don't remember seeing any ads for this at all. Yeah, I think they advertised it very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a part of me that wondered, like a movie like this, which is I don't want to say it's Oscar bait. It's not quite, like, on the level of that. Yeah. Because, like, those movies are very deliberate. Like, this person has cancer and it's in the Holocaust. <laughs> and it's like, you know, whatever. And it's World War II and, you know, whatever. I thought that was implied with the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> World War One Holocaust. I, well, I mean, that or Trump's America. I right. Mean, so, um, but, so, it's not quite that level. Sure. I always thought that maybe those kind of movies are better off for like January or February mm. or something like that. Or maybe December. They need to be out by December 31st to be in competition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe if like, but like a wider release happens sometimes later. Yeah. Than that, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Um, but then I was going back to the history books and Gravity came out around in October. Um, the Martian came out in October. Interstellar came out in October. Mm. So there's a market Interstellar for... came out in November now. No, it was October like 20 something. Okay. I looked it up before... I mean, maybe it like was a limited distribution or sure. something like that initially, but they all came out in October. So those movies did, you know, varying degrees of pretty well. Yeah, um, they all did great, actually. You know, and they all deal yeah. with space and that stuff. So maybe there is a room for a space movie in October, but then this one wasn't it. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because I think they were very restrained in their marketing. Mm-hmm. They didn't show a lot of the money shots. No. Like of, of the moon. Yeah. You know, or, or a lot, they was mostly like focused on Gosling and his face, which is, I guess, kind of truthful, but sure. like, I don't think it's a great way to go and sell people on a movie yeah. either. So I'm trying to figure out what went wrong here. Yeah. I feel like this movie should have made a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy that A Star is Born beat it, by the way, because mm-hmm. this is PG-13 and Star is Born is R. Right. movies don't make that much money. And A Star yeah. is Born only declined by like 35%, which is wow. a pretty good drop. Yeah. Like, usually a, good, uh, a drop is like 45 to 55 to okay. 60%. Yeah, like I mean, even weekend from the previous weekend. Uh, Venom dropped like 61, I think. Something yeah. like that. And still beat the Star is Born. But yeah. once again, PG-13 versus R. The Venom yeah. was like 55%. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Which is disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, America. Um, yeah, I just thought there would be more demand for the. I don't. Yeah. Like, people loved La La Land. I thought yeah. that'd be enough to get people in the door. I people don't think... love Ryan Gosling. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly, they do. Yeah. Apparently not, right? Because okay. Blade Runner did bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same time, around the same time last year. Yeah. La La Land did okay. Yeah. Um, Drive found a home on home video. Yeah. Um, I think people like Ryan Gosling in a romantic comedy yeah. or, you know, or a musical. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I think they like a particular kind of Ryan Gosling. But yeah. They don't, don't want to buy what they're selling. They like a sexy Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Big Short did all right. Yeah. That did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in that. Nice guy's tanked. Yeah. For some reason. Well, it's not, not sexy Ryan Gosling. It's goofy Ryan Gosling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. Best Ryan Gosling. Right. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Um, but I need to yeah. say it barely. 
We'll get you on it. Okay. <laughs> Next time you'll be on the podcast, you'll be like trying to drop, <laughs> so name drop it like whenever you can. Too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. Yeah. It's like George Clooney to me. Like everyone mm-hmm. acts like George Clooney's a big deal, but his movies don't really do no. that well. Especially the ones that like aren't trash. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, he does the he does that one for me, one for them model, right? Yeah, he has like yeah, a mass sure. mass right. audience movie, and then does one that like yeah. something like The American, right? Yeah. They, which won't, I they saw won't go and follow him. Repeated. Yeah, they won't go and follow him to like these weird things that he would prefer to be doing, mm-hmm. right? which he's fine with though, because he'll do the movies that do right. make, that exactly. do make money. Ryan Gosling hasn't figured that one out yet. No, <laughs> no he's most like do one for me, do one for me, do one for me, do one for, <laughs> me, do one for you, do one for me, do it. Yeah. yeah. What's the last massive hit he had? Was it Crazy Stupid Love? Because like I said, La La Land was okay. Did La La okay. Land did pretty well. Yeah. So I mean, I think La La Land probably made close to the same money as Crazy Stupid Love, I want to say. Yeah, it's Ultimately. hard to say. I feel like commercially, Crazy Stupid Love probably did better yeah. just because yeah. I know a lot of guys that like Crazy Stupid Love. They don't really think of it as like a romantic comedy, yeah. so they'll go watch it. But yeah. if you tell them like, La La Land, first of all, the name. Second of all, oh, it's yeah. a musical. It's like, right. Yeah. Right. Um, for, for a lot of people, not just, you know, men. Um, yeah, I know. That shit killed my Christmas plans. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like Crazy Stupid Love was probably the last commercial big success for Gosling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can be attributable to him largely, yeah. but then Steve Carell was Steve also... Carell's a big draw. Draw. Steve Carell's a big draw. Yeah. There's also a lot of shortlist Ryan Gosling in the trailer, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's right. Like, that was a selling point for, that's for right. a lot of That's right. That was very heavily featured in the marketing. Not me, who had yeah. never objectified handsome <laughs> Ryan Gosling, so... Yeah, Cretans. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. You were going to mention something about the advertising, right? Oh, yeah, the advertising yeah. sells it as sort of a, a the story of the men who went to the moon. Yeah. And that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's getting good reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people who only look at the Rotten Tomatoes per- percentage should go see it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? And no one's really saying like it was not as advertised therefore it's bad they're saying that was different your mileage may vary but you should still see it for the most part um so i don't really know what's happening and like i don't know if word of mouth is going to be good enough on it to give it i don't get the sense it's going to i don't think so it's not going to be theaters reacting to it Mm -hmm. no man yeah I don't know. My um, theater really enjoyed it, but I saw it with a bunch of old people in the middle of the day on yeah. a Friday. I'm pretty sure there were toddlers in mine. Oh. Whoa. Mm. Yeah, because I definitely heard a kid crying. I said, why? Uh, I saw oh. a bunch of old people at like nice. late night. So nice. I think that they right. were kind of, there was actually people falling asleep. I heard yeah. snores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a long movie. It, it is. It was um, music bumps. I was like, <laughs> I'm just I, coming in through the side. I have like a theory on maybe why it doesn't so well. Or why it didn't do so well either. Was it Trump's America? Trump's America. Probably. Yeah. No, um, no. Actually, well, there's two theories. The first one. <laughs> oh, one right. okay. I'm Trump's sorry, America. I said it. Again. <laughs> you opened up the door, bro. Um, the first one is, I think, much like in real life, Americans stopped caring about the moon mission. Like mm-hmm. that's the reason why the Apollo program was discontinued. It almost became routine to people, yeah. and it was boring to them. I almost kind of wonder if that's the same thing that's going on here. People just kind of take it for granted that we went there, which is mm-hmm. bonkers to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, thank you for saying that. Like, don't yeah, get me that's wrong. That's insane. That's insane. To, I know, it's insane to think about, but people, like, that's the reason why the program got canceled. That's yeah. why people stopped following it. 
you know, gr- I think, granted, if we actually had a space program that was going toward the moon today... Like space Force. Uh, space Force, <laughs> hey, man. It's, it's kind of like Trump's America. Um, <laughs> but, this podcast brought to you by... <laughs> MAGA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I think that, like, if, some, if we had somebody get to the moon today, like, happen right now, yeah. social media would blow up. Like, people sure. would go crazy about, like, well, stuff today. Musk is trying that, right? Right. Yeah. Like, uh... uh like the amount of fervor over that would probably exceed the way it was back in the sixties almost, or yeah. at least rival it. So I think people do care about it if it happened again. Mm-hmm. But I think the past of it is not something that's exciting and yeah. something that we don't care about that much. That's so crazy. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. The other <laughs> theory is I do think that the flag controversy did damage it a little bit. Really? Yeah, I, I can see that. Could, uh, from the uh, audience that would have gone to see it, yes. which would have been older white Americans. Old, the, yes, yeah. um, older white yeah. Americans who feel a certain amount of pride in their mm-hmm. country and an end in that accomplishment. Yeah. I think those people are predisposed to go and see a movie like this. And I think that not necessarily the news just about the flag not being featured that much, which I think was kind of misleading and false based mm-hmm. off of what I saw in the movie. Yeah. And it, you yeah. Know, like, I'm not giving credence to yeah, this yeah, yeah. argument. It, and the movie's trying to go and accomplish the very insular view of this man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can see him not caring that much about, based off how he's portrayed, planting yeah. the flag versus his bracelet. Sure. I think the movie provides a good argument why that's not emphasized that mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think their response to the criticism, which was like, oh, the flag's like a controversial thing nowadays yeah. and we don't want to like focus on it. It's an international effort and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that was really poorly handled. I think the response to Gosling the... handled it really bad. Yes. Gosling was... And, and Chazelle, I think, if I remember correctly. No, Chazelle's the one who under, who explained, like, when you see the movie, it'll make sense. Okay. Right. Gave him a so reason. then it was Gosling. No, Gosling okay. is the one... And, but Gosling got his statement out before Chazelle. Uh, yeah. So Gosling's was the first one in people's minds. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so I remember being like, oh, bad move, dog. Yeah. Like, that's not... Like, if you... No, like it was definitely fueled 100% by nationalism. Like yeah. that's yeah. insane. And I think the movie actually does do a good job of portraying that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right cuz Gosling Gosling was interviewed before Chazelle was about it. Yeah. And he was like it was an international thing and everyone was like, "No." No. no. Shut up, Canadian. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Chazelle came out and was like, no, like, we wanted to tell a specific story yeah. from a specific point of view. Right. And that moment did not serve that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when you watch the movie, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, no. You know? But I think the, the damage was already done. Yeah. And obviously people, they ran with it, and they don't care about issuing corrections. To well, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is yeah. people were out there saying that the American flag doesn't appear in the movie at all. Right. Like, yeah. like yeah. that they even removed them from the suits. Yeah, and that wasn't... <laughs> And then True. they burned it. Yeah. yeah. They said, go Russia. Yeah. <laughs> now we're cool with Russia now. You gotta be, like, Sorry. They planted the flag and then kneeled that, and sang that, the that, Russian. That, that segment <laughs> of the population is cool with Russia and Putin now. So we're, we're cool. Yeah. Putin rode on a space horse. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. They should have it next October. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else? No. Yeah. Well, okay, so just so we can get, like, final verdict. What a Final verdict, MJ. I really liked it. I okay, think it's... Like, I don't think it's my favorite of the year, mm-hmm. um, but I liked it more than A Star is Born, so it's mm-hmm. probably... It's probably my top five it, so far from what I've seen. It's probably mm-hmm. number two. I, I'd like to see it again. Yeah. Um, I want Kristen to see it really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'd go see it, for sure. Yeah. Um, and go see it big. 
go see it in IMAX. Not at Studio Good, Yeah, Not no, at that one theater. <laughs> um, no, go see it in IMAX because the, he shot the moon sequences yeah. in IMAX and it looks yeah. incredible. And that's about, like, when I, I saw Gravity in IMAX mm. and that was one of the best movie going experiences of my life. Um, I had a full on anxiety attack during that movie yeah. <laughs> um, because of the movie. And, uh, Oh, I saw 2001 earlier this year in IMAX, and that was incredible. Um, It's a movie I didn't think I was going to like, and I probably shouldn't like based on like how what I like how I approach movies and watch them and stuff. Mm -hmm. But seeing it in IMAX and seeing the 4K or 8K restoration that they did on it for the IMAX presentation, it was insane. It was super cool. So this is another line uh, i mean even interstellar looks pretty cool in imax yeah. and that's not a good movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah, it has a great organ <laughs> it's gross <laughs> anyway <laughs> wow um i also recommend the film sure um i i thought it was good it's not the best film i've seen it's not the best film i've seen this year but i thought it was just very strong performances, very well put together. Uh, I think, I mean, if there are older white Americans listening to this, that I think they'd like it. It's so, yep. it's yeah, very it's... American without, I mean, it's not like in your face there's a flag and then like no, an eagle and then a but, hot but, dog. But, but it's but... about that individual, yeah. individualism and stoicism. Absolutely. That, that, uh, that generation of Americans was about. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. and when you think of astronauts, it's like, oh yeah, it's that's so brave because what they're doing is so scary, especially at that time. But to see the full gambit of that's also really brave because you're having to leave behind your family. You have not just this one-dimensional person, but this full like mm-hmm. carnage of, of stuff being left behind. So just very, I, I liked it a lot. I really recommend it. Yeah, I thought it was good, not great, mm-hmm. ultimately. And um, stars are bigger than moons, so therefore, a star is born is better than. I'm mad at you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, well, and I will also mention that in relation Calm to... Calm down, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Lord of Science. Um, <laughs> I have a rant about him that we can do off podcast. <laughs> or, or in, but... Is it off. F that guy? Uh, I don't like how certain science figures of in one particular field are are uh, are <laughs> elevated to being like the lord of science of all fields mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, i think that our culture has a way of doing that to too many professions like oh this guy's like good in this thing so mm-hmm. before he can speak to he can speak to climate change we elevate him as an authority yeah. on climate change or something like that and i think that we need to get away from that america like we doesn't people just because they're smart in one field does not make them smart in all fields yeah they stop treating like one, a good scientist as like god and everything but anyway um, getting back to the Stars Born thing, I do think that that also played a part in the box office. Yeah. Because like, people already saw it. Because people, I think um, there's only enough room, oxygen in the room, for like one Oscar kind of movie yeah. in a particular time of the year. And that I think sense. that Stars Born is kind of taking some of the oxygen away. I think they're taking that older adult you know, professional who's maybe going to see a movie. Right, because they're, they're seeing that. A Star is Born because of the Streisand Christopherson version from 1986. Yeah, and they're maybe neglecting this movie. Because obviously I think the audiences for this, they don't quite overlap, but they overlap closer than Venom yeah. does. Venom's, yeah. oh, yeah. you know, its own <laughs> group of people. Right. Well, it's young people with more disposable income. Right. Um, I think 
once this movie gets nominated for Best Picture, and make no mistake, this movie will be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and win, but also not. taken away from it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think once that happens, they'll, it'll get a re-release and people will go see it. Because that's what happens, right? Is these Oscar movies come out and no one sees them and then they get nominated and then everyone sees them. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that'll, that'll happen. It'll yeah. get a re-release. It'll and, get a bump. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was good. I, there's one last thing I want to... I didn't really find a place for it in the podcast. I really liked, um, so after the Gemini mission, there's a scene where he's angry on the phone and he's talking about, um, the cover of Life magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, like our wild ride in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things in the movie was after they're back and they're in the quarantine area, when he walks into the room where they're watching the newscast, there's a life board game on the mm-hmm. shelf. And I was oh. like, huh. That's a good touch. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that seems super intentional mm-hmm. and I love it. Like, yeah. it's just this real subtle thing that the production designers did that mm-hmm. I thought was a really cool touch. It was mm-hmm. just like, it, it felt like they cared about yeah. like bringing the whole thing cohesive. Mm-hmm. And I like what I can tell, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say see it as big as possible and as loud as possible because it's the space stuff is outstanding it looks great yeah um i think it's super cool that they were able to use the same same sets that kubrick used in 1969 when he filmed the moon landing Mm -hmm. um i think uh you guys are just gonna let that go huh Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right (laughs) uh anyway not the reaction i expected that 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 failed much more than i thought it was going to i wasn't really dignified (laughs) um Anyway, yeah, go see it. Uh, if you like Gosling, go see it. If you like Giselle, it's maybe a little bit of a step backwards and a giant leap for mankind. But <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I, I just always look forward to what this guy's going to do next. And this movie isn't one that made me not look forward to his next project. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I kind of hope he is not the next Nolan in the sense, well, he does the emotional stuff a lot better. Yeah. But I, I just hope he doesn't, Keep on trying to go after these high concepts. Yeah. I just hope that he has someone to tell him no. Yeah. By not more than you can chew. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. this didn't feel like that, but it could have. Sure. Yeah. And so I wonder if his escalation in pro- projects next mm-hmm. would have him fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, I hope not, but we'll see. Well, at least he didn't write this, which goes and demonstrates yeah. to me that he... Sure. At least is not falling into the Nolan trap of just writing his own stuff and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And he did a pretty good job with that script, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and adapting probably the key points of it, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I think I think it's it's solid. Um, it's not, it doesn't quite have the highs of Whiplash or La La Land, sure. but mm-hmm. it's also not those movies. Yeah. Right. So, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and so yeah. I respect him for doing this because it was completely outside his previously established completely wheelhouse. outside his wheelhouse and a story that needs to be told. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a movie we need to have, mm-hmm. and I hope there's another one that's about 
more about Gazaltan, so he's not just like a tackless dude. What did you guys douche. think of Corey Stahl? Corey Stahl, is that his name? Yeah. The guy yeah. from Ant-Man? I like him mm-hmm. as an actor. I thought he had a really thankless part as Buzz Aldrin. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they gave him nothing to yeah. work with. He could have been good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he was just there to be like, insensitive thing, yeah. Yeah. moving on. I'm a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'm, the movie could have set them up as foils a little bit better. Yeah, than I agree. Because yeah. I felt like it was trying to do that. At a certain point, and then it was like, nah, not interested, just about <laughs> <Yeah>. Neil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's not like they did a bad job showing Neil's other relationships. Like, yeah. his relationship with Gus was really fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And it lasted less than the relationship with Buzz did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Buzz was just there to, like, say crappy things, and mm-hmm. then be like, what? I'm just saying what you're all thinking. Like, yep. he was just there to do that. And it's yeah. like, that's not Buzz. It may have been Buzz Aldrin, but that's not, yeah. like who he is yeah you know he's like much smarter than that he seemed like an idiot yeah he's more like to infinity and beyond <laughs> exactly i'm so mad at you <laughs> i can get on board with that one <laughs> boo <laughs> um yeah that yeah that wasn't great and mm. i just also don't like mike collins getting the short end of the stick yeah. again <laughs> yeah who <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the other guy okay um yeah, it. I think the, the they, nice they, guy. Yeah, I think they should have actually. That is one complaint I do have mm-hmm. about the movie. I think they should have fleshed out some sort of a relationship, good or bad, with the other two guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, to sort of like see where they were coming from. I think that's like a usually that's I think it's a good structure to have for a movie is to have like these three people bounce off of each other. Yeah, and yeah. they all kind of illustrate different aspects of each other, and I feel like that'd be a really easy course to take on this, mm-hmm. but it didn't go there. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, let's wait for the next movie. Yep, go see it. Uh, it you probably will, I hope. Um, maybe not, because it is spooky movie season, so mm. that might have some... But uh, those other movies open in October, and they did numbers, so... I don't know. Go see it. Uh, convince your parents to go see it. Um, I think it's a safe... It's a safe place for them to wear their MAGA hat. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go see Goosebumps too, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. No, you can hear Goosebumps in the background if you go see yeah. the movie girl. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like getting the same. Yeah, it's like two for one. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week with Pat Spurlock to talk about... Well, I'll be back next week. I don't think you're coming on. You can join us if you want uh, to talk about Halloween. We'll see. Um, the, the season. Yep, yeah, just about the season. Just okay. like, hey, what are you going to be? What's your favorite costume? <laughs> um, cool. Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we're gonna talk about uh, the Halloween spice. sequel reboot thing, um, mm-hmm. and that'll be cool because I've seen the first one, and Pat is a nerd for all of them, so mm-hmm. I have some homework to do this week. Um, yeah, and then we'll have a couple weeks off. Uh, name redacted because someone did win the contest, um, but we're not saying the name yet. Um, that podcast will be out. Should be it's episode two where we announce the winner of the contest. Should be out now. You should be able to listen to it if all goes according to plan. It'll be in your feed on the Real Perspective feed. Um, episode three should be out in the next week or two. I'll probably release it the week after the Halloween episode. Um, that way, there's not a break. And um, yeah, do you guys have anything you want to plug? Missy, not really. Okay. Yeah, sorry, boring. <laughs> Mike. Giveaway for my book. Enter oh, yeah. into oh, it before the end of next Friday, the 27th or 8th or something like that. 100 free copies are being given away. 27. Yes. Nice. So, um, that's it. Cool. Um, 
yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Um, that's all I got, too. There's not a lot happening. Um, I don't think. No, I oh, we're introducing it. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles November 5th yes. at nice. the Fox Theater. Mm-hmm. How fun! Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it's five bucks. Yeah, it's five dollars. And you can see uh, the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time mm-hmm. and the best use of profanity in movie ever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Steve Martin and John Candy. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Come on. What what can go wrong with that combination? Mm -hmm. Um, And just a really great road movie, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Come see it, because it's a fun one. And I think we take that movie for granted a little bit. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we'll be there doing that. October 19th, which is this Monday, Zombieland is showing at the Fox Theater for $5. The guys from More Gooder Than... The other podcast here in Bakersfield are going to be introducing it. And then October 29th, this is the one I really want you guys to come to. I know a lot of you probably have hangups about it. We're showing The Exorcist at the Fox Theater. And my buddy Reed from the Fear of God podcast, who is one of my favorite thinkers that I've ever met, is making a special trip up from his home in Santa Clarita to introduce the film uh, because it's his favorite movie of all time. And um, that dude's great, so you guys should come out for that. Also $5 and uh, Halloween times, so you should come to that. But yeah, we have uh, several movies we're introducing, but we'll announce them as they get closer. Yep. Uh, awesome. Including Citizen Kane, which... I mean, it's no Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I just There's a lot of research I have to do for that one. I mm-hmm. just bought the Blu-ray the other day. So, like, I'm going to watch Ebert's commentary on it, mm-hmm. and then I sought out the uh, 70th anniversary release so that I can watch the special DVD that comes with it that mm-hmm. has the uh, the battle for Citizen Kane on it, which is about like Hearst and how he responded to the movie oh, and tried to get it shut down. So, um, yeah, there's just so much history to that movie that it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. You look so excited for all of that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> love Citizen Kane. <laughs> I don't love Citizen Kane. I'm hoping I will. Yeah. Every time I watch Citizen Kane, I'm like, this is the one where I get it. And then I watch <laughs> it and I go, I don't get it. But who yeah. was Rosebud? <laughs> was that a dog? Is this one of those watch a dog die movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the kid. <laughs> oh, then great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that'll do us. Do it. Do it for us this week. Um, Until next time, we're the moon bad guys. (laughs) Have a nice life.